So we've once again reached Pesach, and one of my favorite nights of the year, the Seder. Every single year, I, I very much enjoy looking over the Haggadah, trying to find new insights, enjoying the uh, Devei Torah that I've said in years past, that I've heard from other people. My Haggadah is, I, first of all, I have like four or five Haggadahs with her, all full of papers at different points, just showing, uh, just uh, talking about uh, different points of the Haggadah and, and uh, different uh, themes that that uh, we've discussed over the years. And, and it's always so exciting to see and and to go over the old stuff, but it's, but I always try to do something new every year. And this year, I want to focus on the part of Magid. It's really these three paragraphs around the middle of Magid that begin with uh, Raviosi Haglili. Basically, there's a three-way machlokas between uh, Raviosi Haglili, Rabbi Eliezer, and Rabbi Akiva as to exactly how many makos the Egyptians received from Hashem. So Rabbi Yossi starts off and says that they received 10 makos in Mitzrayim. And then he says that by Kriyas Yamsuf, they got five times as many makos, meaning that they got 50 makos by Kriyas Yamsuf. Now, how does he arrive at that? So he explains that when it comes to the makos in Mitzrayim, the Pusik says that the, the Egyptian magicians recognized that it was the finger of Hashem, so a finger is one. And then when we get to Kriyas Yamsuf, it says that the Yad Hashem uh, destroyed the Egyptians. So Yad is five fingers. So he says that if, that if, if, uh, if, they used, if Hashem only used one finger in Mitzrayim and he used five fingers by the sea, so there must have been five times as many Makos while, uh, during Kriyas Yamsuf. Now, Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Akiva uh, agree with Rabbi Yossi that there were five times as many makos by the yam uh, as there were in Mitzrayim, but they just disagree as to the exact numbers. Rebbe Eliezer says that each maka in Mitzrayim was actually four different makos, and therefore uh, they got 40 makos in Mitzrayim, because 10 times 4, and then you have to multiply that by 5 uh, by Kriyas Yamsuf, so there's really 200. And then Rabbi Akiva says that each maka in Mitzrayim was really five different makos, so they had 50 makos in Mitzrayim and 250 on Kriyas Yamsuf. And this whole argument is based on exactly how to learn out uh, Pasuk and Tehillim. If you want to look it up, uh, either look in the Agada. Uh, the original Pasuk is in Tehillim, Perik Ayin Ches, Pasuk Mem Tes. So there are a few questions that come up when uh, talking about these paragraphs. I'm sure you already have a couple going on in your head. But the main one, which I think is the one that you really want to have answered, is what difference does it make? 10 makos, 50 makos. You know, I was very happy until reading, you know, going through school and learning that the Egyptians got 10 makos and that was it. You know, everyone was very happy. All of a sudden we're talking about 10, 40, 50, 200, 250. What exactly is going on over here? So the most common answer to this question comes from the Gra. And he quotes the Pasuk, which is found uh, in, I believe it's Parshas B'Shalach, where it says, right, That's the, a quotation from a Pasuk. It's really the middle of a Pasuk. But basically what Hashem is telling the Bnei Israel is that if you listen to everything that Hashem tells you to do, then everything which Hashem did to the Egyptians, any disease that I put on Mitzrayim, I will not place upon you. So everything that Hashem did to the Egyptians in Mitzrayim, he will not do to the Jews. So says the Gra, the more makos that happened in Mitzrayim, the less things that could happen to the Jews. So if there was only 10 makos, that would only be 10 things that Hashem couldn't do to us uh, if we deserved punishment. And according to uh, 
Rabbi Akiva, who has the most, he would say there's up to 250 things which Hashem did to the Mitzrayim, really 250 plus the 50 in Mitzrayim, so 300 things. And that would mean that uh, there were 300 different uh, machlos, diseases, plagues, whatever you want to call them, uh, that we could not receive. So that's what they're arguing about. They're arguing about the, the more to put on more makos onto the Egyptians so we would get less. Now, I saw a beautiful explanation from Rav Yosef Tzvi Rimon, who's uh, a Rav here in Eretz He lives in the Gush. And uh, he brings this gra, and he adds on an explanation, which I, I really believe adds on a beautiful idea. When the makos were happening in Mitzrayim, it created a clear distinction between who was Jewish and who was Egyptian. While the Egyptian was running around looking for water during Makostam, uh, choking on the frogs that were trying to force their way down his throat by Tzvardea, scratching at his lice by Kenim, this entire time the Jew is sitting there calmly on the sidelines, you know, sipping a, a nice glass of iced tea, uh, petting the frogs as they go by, you know, watching the lice jump around the Egyptian's hair on their bodies. Perfect comfort. Everything's okay. So it was very clear, this distinction was clear both ways. First, that the Hashem was uh, singling out the Egyptians for harm, for punishment, and raising up the Jews out of love. Now, while it was certainly possible to have this distinction with only 10 makos, the more makos that there were, the more we can clearly point out Hashem's love for us. And with every additional maka that Hashem put on the Egyptians, he was at the same time showing his love for Bnei Yisrael, that they were not evil like the Egyptians. They deserved prominence instead of punishment. And this is the argument between the Tanoim, and this is why it's important for us to know exactly how many makos there were. And there's no better night for this than the Seder. The main idea for the Seder, the, the overall theme for the Seder, is to tell the story of how we left Mitzrayim. But the ideas of how we left Mitzrayim, what are the specific ideas we're trying to bring out? The specific idea we're trying to bring out is the direct hashgacha that we received from Hashem during that entire time and how that extends to everything beyond that. And in fact, the very next paragraph in Magid after this three-way machlokas is the song of Dayenu. And what is Dayenu? Dayenu is essentially a list of every single act of hashgacha that Hashem did for us between the time that we left Mitzrayim and when we got into Eretz Yisrael. And that's the idea of the Seder. I'd like to wish everyone a Chag Kasher V'Sameach, and may we all be blessed with this continued Ashkacha until it brings us to the true Geula, Mherabi Amenu. Have a great Yantav, everyone. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. For any questions, comments, or to subscribe to the email newsletter, please email me at amemtorah at gmail.com. That's A-I-M-E-M-T-O-R-A-H at gmail.com. The email newsletter will give you updates for Amem Torah, as well as the written version of the Zvar Torah in your inbox, along with an MP3 download of this podcast. The podcast is also available on iTunes. Just search for the Amem Torah podcast or my name, Yosef Siegel. Please check out the blog itself, oldideasforthemodernmind.blogspot.com, where you can get the written version of this week's Zvar Torah, as well as the archived versions of the previous eight years of Amen Torah Divrei Torah. Please check out my website, hashkafahandbook.com, where this podcast is hosted, and learn more about my book, Reality Check, a Handbook of Hashkafa. And finally, please check us out on social media. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash Torah, and on Twitter, Twitter handle at Torah. That's A-I-M-E-M-T-O-R-A-H. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening, and have a great Shabbos.